We are all born with a purpose, yet identifying what that is can be very challenging. It can be even more challenging to find purpose in your business. So, is it possible to find purpose in your business and make profit at the same time? Not only is it possible, but a business led by purpose can be even more profitable than one that is simply led by profit. Join Robert Fukui as he explores how to be purpose-led and profitable while making a positive impact in your community. Hi, this is Robert Fukui, your host of the Purpose and Profitability Podcast, where we believe that having a profitable, purpose-led business can lead to community transformation. And today I'm really privileged to have as my guest, uh, Peter Lowe. Peter, if you haven't heard from Peter uh, or heard about Peter, he's uh, the creator of one of the most successful motivational seminars, uh, Get Motivated Seminars. And he filled those seminars filled arenas and convention centers across America for over 20 years. Um, he featured six U.S. presidents and even heads of state from the likes of Margaret Thatcher, Mikhail Gorbachev, and Benjamin Netanyahu to numerous Olympic gold medalists and Super Bowl and, and Hollywood stars. And that certainly didn't end there because he was certainly um, also recognized by a lot of media. In fact, he was featured twice on 60 Minutes, countless other TV shows, including 2020, CBS This Morning, CNN, numerous magazines and newspapers, including Time Magazine, People Magazine, and The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, and the list goes on and on. So we're just so privileged and really honored that you would take time out of your busy schedule. I know we've been trying to connect because you've been traveling and all that, but just so appreciative of you taking your time out um, to be with us. So Peter, thanks for joining us. It's fabulous to be here with you, Robert. I think what you are doing to impact lives is just fantastic. It's a pleasure. Thanks. And so I got to know Peter a few weeks ago in in Orlando, Florida at a uh, business conference, an entrepreneurship conference. And heard him speak several times and got to hear a little bit about his story. And in fact, we sat down for lunch at one day and, you know, I wanted to hear more about him. So I figure, Hey, why don't I invite him on the podcast and I can learn more about him while I record this thing. So everybody else can, can benefit from, uh, from our discussion. So thanks Peter for coming And And Peter's actually, he's so busy that he's in his car right now. So we're so privileged that he pulled over. Uh, He's not driving. He pulled over and he's going to do this interview in in his car. I'm just so thankful that you're here, Peter. So catch me up. Uh, What are you doing now professionally, Peter? Well, you know, for more than 20 years, as you mentioned, I put on big events and arenas across the nation uh, for many millions of business people and just had the time of my life doing it. Uh, Samuel Morley, a British statesman, said, Um, almost 200 years ago, he who does the work is not nearly so profitably employed as he who multiplies the doers. And I kind of felt what I did in those events was doing the work. It was fantastic, but it was time to multiply the doers. So I sold that out a little over five years ago. And now I'm multiplying the doers. I'm working with entrepreneurs and CEOs, uh, teaching them how to really do the impossible in business. Uh, how to be outside of the box, uh, go beyond what you can do on your own, um, and make a big difference in the world. So it's not maybe quite as uh, public and as glitzy as what I used to do, though it's way more fulfilling and I think way more strategic. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, obviously you can do a lot more and go deeper with people when you're more one-on-one and in smaller groups as opposed to teaching with the masses. Um, But certainly they all have their time and place. But I think what you're doing, like as you say, you're able to go deeper with people. What have you felt, uh, since you're dealing with some of these, these leaders, these CEOs, um, what are some of the common 
issues, I guess, that hold people back from moving forward and, and trying the impossible? Well, I think there's um, many, many different keys to success, but certainly, first of all, some of the absolute keys are to be strong and courageous mm-hmm. and to not be afraid and not be discouraged. And, you know, really the difference between a CEO in many cases um, is and someone who's kind of on the lower levels in a company is the CEO is strong, he's courageous. Sure, he deals with discouragement. He has more opportunities to be discouraged than the average person, but he's learned how to deal with it and overcome it and persevere. Uh, but, you know, when you're on the front lines and when you're a CEO and you're an entrepreneur, you got to learn how to continually encourage yourself so you're courageous and you got to learn how to um, deal with discouragement. So talk to me about that, especially uh, as entrepreneurs, especially when they're just starting out or they're maybe only five years in business and uh, things aren't working out the way, um, you know, they originally planned. What is one, one or two key takeaways um, that would help them uh, overcome those, some of those setbacks or discouragements? Well, first of all, uh, you've got to really understand you know, what your passion is. And, you know, that's something that's just kind of broadly used, you know, yes, good Mm -hmm. to have your passion and be passionate about something. But like, I really like to ask, you know, first of all, like when you turn 65 or 95 and look back on like what you want to say you've accomplished. And then also work on what I call the thousand year budget. Like what's really going to count, you know, for generations to come. Like when Mm -hmm. you look back in the course of eternity, you know, what really is going to count? Mm -hmm. And suddenly, you know, when you have that perspective, you know, the problems that seem so big right now actually seem so minor and actually, you know, can actually be stepping stones to it. So the first key to that is to learn how to rejoice uh, regardless of what trouble you face. Mm. Uh, Most of us, when we face troubles in business, or in life for that matter, we tend to get stressed out. We tend to get discouraged. That's just a natural reaction. And I think what you have to do is train yourself to rejoice. You know, you know, in fact, Jesus used to talk about this. He said, like, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome mm-hmm. the world. So I always ask, what would happen if there is a solution to this? Mm-hmm. What would happen if this was already resolved? How would I be rejoicing? How mm-hmm. would I be feeling about this? And, and, I, and put myself in that state. So that's something that you can physically do. You know, people thought, I just don't feel joy. No, mm-hmm. but if you knew you had the victory, how would you feel? And you start to act that way. And suddenly it makes it a whole lot easier to get through the problems right now. Wow. So it's almost sounds like it's a really a mindset and an attitude while you're going through those troubles. It is. And, you know, I, I tend to believe it's more than that because, you know, I often say that the, the soul is more important than the goal. Mm. And when you start to really recognize that, to really work on your soul, and I actually got this from the Bible. There's like two, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that's in Second Samuel 3, 1, it says, King David grew stronger and stronger mm. while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker, you know, the house of King Saul. So it doesn't say, well, Saul grew weaker. You know, he Saul worked on his house. He worked on his palace. He worked in his kingdom. He worked in his business and he grew weaker and weaker. But David, it says he worked on his soul mm-hmm. and, and he became stronger and stronger. And I found when we realize that if we work on our soul, then our goals will come to pass. Suddenly, 
the things that seem like troubles, actually, we see them as an opportunity to build our soul and make us stronger as a person. Hmm. And it just absolutely makes the journey completely different. Yeah, so it sounds like you really got to be a little more, much more introspective and understand your, your purpose, almost like a greater purpose beyond just what you're doing in the business um, that can help you keep you going forward. Is that would that be fair to say, or is it even deeper than that? Yeah, I, I, it is. I mean, you know, absolutely. You know, knowing your purpose, and I mean, you you teach so much on this, and you encourage people so much to to seek after their purpose, and and that's absolutely it. And you know, I think it's even you know another way to look at it is you know once um, I was in Keystone Ski Resort in Colorado over the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. week for a yeah. conference, yeah. and just cool. as the conference ended, uh, they had a freak snowstorm there, and it closed down this the airport in Denver for two days. So we're all snowed in. Well, that Sunday happened. They had the Grey Cup. Now, the Grey Cup is the Super Bowl of Canada for the Canadian Football League. Uh, And so I invited all the Canadians who were down for the conference to come and watch on on satellite television, the Grey Cup. (laughs) The BC Lions from Vancouver playing the Toronto Argonauts. And for the entire Grey Cup, from the very first touchdown, the BC Lions are in the lead. And it looks like they're going to win. However, in the last two plays of the game, the Toronto Argos have the football, and there's a slight, slight chance they can throw a 55-yard pass, score a touchdown, and win the Grey Cup. Now, just before those last two plays, you could see the television cameras panning around the crowds there in BC Play Stadium. Everybody was in the edge of their seats. Who's going to win the Grey Cup? Whereas I sat back in Keystone, Colorado, and I told everybody in the room, I know who's going to win the Grey Cup. My belief is so strong, but I just know the Argos are going to throw that pass, score a touchdown, and win the Grey Cup. I have that much faith. <laughs> but then guess wow. what happened? The Argos threw the pass, scored a touchdown, and won the Grey Cup. <laughs> oh, wow. And they, you know, how could your belief be so strong? And I say it's easy. It's because we were watching a time-delayed replay of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Did you play some bets? <laughs> yeah, I should have. That's actually what the winning belief system is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the assurance of things not yet seen. Yeah, right. you know, a lot of people think that belief is where you've got two places to go and you're hoping or you're wishing or you're praying or you're trying to think positively that you're going to win, but there's a chance you might not. Yeah. No, belief is when you know you've won, then if you're behind at half time, that's when you can still act like a winner because sure. you know that's not when the score really counts. Right, right, right. That's good. And that's why like, your view of eternity so totally affects your ability to operate successfully in the present. When you good. know your future is taken care of, suddenly it empowers you in an extraordinary way right now. So that's why I talk about there's like really two kinds of power in life. There's power from within and there's power from above. And, you know, success deals with power from within, basically, and spirituality deals with power from above. And they're Mm -hmm. both important to operate on two tracks. And and when you get those both in alignment and your purpose is clear in both of those areas, that's where you have true lasting success. And I find most people tend to make... You know, they just kind of get clarity in one of those areas. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll yeah. become spiritual, you know, so to speak, and ignore, you know, the the, the, the physical and the temporal and how to have success now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just focus on success and forget about the spiritual. You've got to have them both working together. 
Yeah, yeah. So you really need to have more of a holistic approach to to your outlook in life. It's it's not just the the business issues or the profitability, but it's also the long term, the eternal thing. It's it's everything. It's not just one or or two things. So well, you know, I've had the you know, depending how you look at it, the good or bad experience of going through a bunch of failures in my life. I've had you know, I, I tell people I probably had more success than most of the people that I talk to in seminars, but I definitely had more failure than all of them. <laughs> and, you know, you know, many years ago, I went through a business failure where, like, you know, business, you know, went down the tubes, and um, you know, and uh, and you know, people said to me at the time, "Well, this must be the worst time of your life." And I said, "Actually, no, it's actually one of the best times of my life." And I said, "How can that be?" Because I just see the future. I, you know, I just really believe God has a purpose in this. You know, a seed has to fall into the ground and die or mm-hmm. stays a single seed. But right where it dies is right where the life comes from. And there's a purpose in this. And I started up the business again. And you know what's really cool about that is now when you start the business the second time after it failed, you now you know, know now what you wish you knew the first time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it took off. It was way more successful. Wow. And, uh, you know, then I went through a marriage failure uh, six or seven years ago. And, wow. you know, that to me was like so sad on one level. You know, I, mm, I really sure. didn't expect you know, my wife to walk in, but I'd never prepared for that eventuality. I just didn't, you know, that yeah. kind of happens to others, but not to me. You know, I tell people, you know, I could go back, you know, I could tell you stories that would, you know, show you it was all my fault or show you it was all my ex's fault or show you it was all other people's fault or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. It can't all be true, right? Sure. And honestly, I don't know what the truth is. Like, I don't know how to correctly analyze what happened. You know, mm-hmm. I really don't. You know, I wish I did, but I don't. But I don't have to. What I have to do is I have to rejoice. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, I've got a great future ahead. I personally know that God loves me. He loves me unconditionally. You know, whether it mm-hmm. wasn't my fault at all or totally my fault, hardly matters. He just loves me. Mm-hmm. And when you yeah. know that, like it just... You know, suddenly you can rejoice and say, you know, life is good. You know, God yeah. is, you know, and, and you rejoice and it enables you to move ahead powerfully in life in a way that I've not been able to experience without that. Well, so where did you get such a, a positive outlook? Um, certainly it just didn't happen in this scenario that you just talked about your business failure and marriage failure. Certainly probably came from earlier on in life. Was it through a series of events or, you know, what was it? You know, it's actually kind of interesting is I was born in Pakistan and I grew up in India. Wow. Uh, medical mission. And okay. pretty much all the English speaking adults around me were these missionaries who had dedicated their lives to go and serve others, you know, to, to do the best they could to make a difference, to provide medical treatment and, you know, treatment to people's lives in the best way they knew how. And I just kind of thought those were normal people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but I, you know, because that's all I knew. But then, you know, as I've grown older, I suddenly realized, you know, these were exceptional people. And that's the environment I grew up in. You know, it's really interesting. I put on the biggest seminars in mm-hmm. America. Chris Anderson, you know, who's the curator for TED Talks, he grew up with me in India. Oh, wow. In the exact same environment. He was my brother's best friend growing up. Oh, wow. In the, in the Himalayan mountains of India. Wow. And it's interesting <laughs> to me that he and I, putting on these you know, incredibly big events, <laughs> grew up in exactly that same environment. So I really think hmm. that environment had a lot to do with it. Oh, um, that's interesting. You know, what are the chances of that otherwise? Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I once read a study in, um, 
when I was in college that really got me thinking. It was a study of looking at students um, as to why they had a positive or negative self-image. Hmm. So the psychologists studied things from high school students, like their marks in school, their family backgrounds, the number of friends they had, and so on. But nothing ever correlated consistently until they started asking students this question. What is your concept of, quote, God? And they found that students that had a positive concept of their God, like maybe a divine Santa Claus or a loving <laughs> father who always wanted the best for them, always had a positive self-image. Hmm. Whereas those students who had a negative self-image always had a negative concept of their God, like maybe some kind of cosmic bully had to zap them every time they did something wrong. Gotcha. And as soon as I heard that study, it suddenly clicked for me. You know, you can never rise above your view of your creator. Hmm. If you have a negative creator, how can that negative creator create a winning positive creation? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the way to absolutely change my positivity in life and to change my self-image is to change my knowledge and relationship in that area. Wow. No, I've never heard that. That's, that's amazing. That's great. Wow. So that, that's, that's just amazing. I mean, just what you just shared and just your connection with, uh, with the, the founder of the Ted talk and even just concept of, you know, how your, your concept of God and negative versus positive. That's, that's really interesting. Um, going, going back a little bit, or I guess moving forward from your time growing up in Pakistan and India, what then sparked you to create and start these motivational seminars? Well, when I was 22 and I had just you know, six months out of college, I was selling microcomputers. And it dawned on me um, that if I ever became the world's best microcomputer salesperson, that's not what I wanted to do with my life. Okay. And I've always been very purpose-driven, like you talk about. And mm. once that dawned on me, it's something I lost motivation to do it. Mm. Uh, so I thought, like, what am I going to do? So over that New Year's weekend, I went to a hotel room all by myself for three days uh, in a hotel room north of Seattle, Washington. And I spent that three days pretty much fasting, although I did drink coffee. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and I just made, you know, I fasted and I prayed and I made this dream list of 25 things if I had the ideal perfect career. Like I wanted to travel the world. Um, I want to work with the world's most successful people. Um, I wanted something that would cause me to grow and stretch always and become a better person. And, um, and then I asked myself when I turned 65 or 95, like I mentioned earlier, what do I want to say I've accomplished? And I knew I wanted to impact people's lives. Mm. Um, I wanted to make the world a better place and make people's lives better. And for me, I thought the best way for me to do that is to put on motivational events that really brings the best of the best in the world. Like no one had ever done it. You know, like, you know, you know, we say a, a wise man learns from his own mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, someone else said a wise, a wiser man learns from other people's mistakes. The wisest person of all learns from other people's successes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, let's bring in the most successful people, you know, world leaders, you know, the, you know, the most successful in business, billionaires and, and uh, you know, Super Bowl champions, Olympic gold medalists, and, and teach people, kind of do the, you know, what I would call the pie of success. You'd have a slice on career, a slice on finances, a slice on leadership, a slice on family, a slice mm -hmm. on health, and then also spiritual slices as well. Mm -hmm. And kind of trying to give people the whole pie. And I thought, you know, so that, you know, I, I looked at, actually, I looked at this list of 25 things. 
And I thought, that's incredible. No one's ever done it. And I didn't know any job or career in the world that offer even five of those things. <laughs> but you know, I, I was pretty spiritual at the time. And I felt like God was saying to me, like Jesus said in the Bible, that according to your faith, it happens to you. And it's like, if you're going to believe for five things, why not believe for all 25? Yeah. So that weekend, I actually saw in my mind's eye, you know, whether you want to call it a vision or, you know, whatever, I just kind of saw it in my mind about doing these events and arenas all across the country. And it took like, you know, 15 years before that really all came to pass, you know, but um, it was, you know, people's, you know, you know, where did that all come from? All those big events centers, it really came from that weekend of three days alone by myself <laughs> on that New Year's weekend. And, um, wow. and, you know, just as an aside, like, you know, when I looked at it that weekend, I thought, you know, th those like, you know, I was 22 and I thought, you know, that's like a great goal for 40 years. You know, yeah. like when I'm 40, like 20 years from now, yeah. um, so I didn't know anybody, you know, good seminars, didn't have best selling books and decades of business mm -hmm. experience, but like, according to your faith, it happened. This year. It's not according to how much money you have or how much experience. And so I just quit my job the next month and started doing it. My parents thought I was nuts. <laughs> wow, yeah. And uh, but I told them, I said, you know, like I'm single, it's my chance to fail. And if I told you I was gonna go to graduate school or become a doctor and go to school for six more years, you'd think that was great. Well, what if we just think of these next six years of me launching this business like my graduate school? Yeah. You know, every seminar I would do, I would think of it like a term paper. If the seminar sure. failed, that was, that was like a term paper. That's part of me progressing towards graduation. Mm, <laughs> and if that yeah. mindset really helped me persevere. Yeah. So how did, I mean, having the vision and all that was great and kind of what you're alluding to earlier, but you didn't know anybody. So how did you get connected with these, I mean, the presence of the United States? I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of, that's pretty hard to get connected to. So how, how did all that I happen? I called them up and said, come on down. And they came. <laughs> Just no, as simple as that. <laughs> I don't have to get on the phone here pretty soon. <laughs> Start calling Trump and Obama. Well, you know, it, it, it was a it was a cash twenty two. No one had really ever done it before, mm. and um, and I thought, you know, what would attract them? I thought, you know, if I could give them like a big audience and arena, maybe that would be attractive. But that's kind of like a cash twenty two. You know, how do you get the big audience to right. entice them, and how do you get them right. out? Get the audience but yeah. you know one of the things i found very helpful is um jesus said the kingdom of god is like a farmer who plants a seed and that seed grows by itself although he does not know how mm. and i found when you start to ask how are you going to achieve your goal you'll probably never do it you got to just plant that seed by faith and start to say, you know, I've got this goal. I've got this vision. It's going to come to pass. I'm going to work at it bit by bit. I don't see how it's all going to connect, how it's all going to take place. But I would always, you know, in a sense, always think, I don't need to know how. Now, mm -hmm. having said that, and, and that kept me going, because if I'd have asked how, I would have quit many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now, having said that, there is a place to ask how. I think I thought, you know, I need to learn how to get better persuasion skills. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would go out and do a lot of sales. Um, I would need to learn, like, what causes people to come to seminars mm -hmm. and what causes them not to come to seminars. So I would go out literally, like, you know, I started out going to real estate offices. And I would talk to sales managers in real estate offices, you know, maybe six or eight or ten of them a day and say, you know, what is it you would really want for your salespeople? Like, what kind of seminar? You know, what would be really helpful? And what's wrong with the ones that you send your people to? And I can't tell you how much I learned from that. 
And it taught me, you know, what is it that makes people come and not come? And even like 10, 15, 20 years later, when I would write ads, uh, when I would write direct mail, uh, when I'd write presentations to get people to come, I would think back to those times. Um, you know, like I found no one else in the company could ever do that because it was just that groundwork. So that's partly why it took 15 years from that weekend, or really like 13 years from that weekend in Seattle before I did my first arena event. It was, okay. you know, yeah. So I think that's important. To, that's important to know. It wasn't like an overnight success, although people can look at after you've had all these successful uh, seminars and look at you as an overnight success because they didn't hear about, didn't know about you until previous, right? Um, but it was fifteen years in the making. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but you know what? It's, it's actually kind of interesting. For years, I did my own seminars where I was like a one man band. I mean, yeah. I would promote the seminar. I would register people at the door, you know, collect the money at the door, speak <laughs> at the seminar, sell the tapes at the seminar, do it all for myself. <laughs> like they come to the seminar, and <laughs> they was kind of funny. You know, they were like groups to like fifty, seventy five. But you know, when I sold out the company like five or six years ago. And I thought, you know, what did I actually most enjoy myself of all the years? You know, been an incredible ride. You know, probably a lot of people know it's doing those big arena events, you know, with presidents and all. You know, and that you know that was like a dream come true. But the mm -hmm. thing I really enjoyed most was doing those seminars for fifty or seventy-five people all by myself, just out there. You know, being able to speak to the people, being able to talk with them afterwards, work through their problems, consult mm -hmm. with them. You know, that was honestly like you know, my favorite time. <laughs> so the journey along the way, you know, <laughs> was, you know, very, very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it sounds like also you're kind of back to your roots in a sense, because you're talking about now what you're currently doing is speaking in, in more of a, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or smaller groups. Right? It is, you know, and a lot of people say, you know, why don't you do big events again? And you know, maybe one day I will, we'll see. You know, I don't think I'll go and replicate what I did in the past, but maybe I'll do bigger ones. But I just realized I just love doing the smaller events and it's a season to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm basically working a lot and trying to figure out the messaging on how, you know, I, I'm doing a program called the Supernatural CEO Experience. Mm -hmm. And it's how to really... You know, you know, people talk about unleashing the power within. Well, this is really about unleashing the power from above. How do you do that in business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, and it, it's kind of like, you know, it's like learning a new language. Like no one has really ever talked about this in business in this mm -hmm. kind of way, at least that I've ever met or heard. Sure. So it's kind of like if you go to a new country, you have to learn the language of the country. Well, this is like learning the language of in practical terms how do you bring the power of God or spiritual power into your business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So all those years with these high profile speakers, what did you learn? Cause you talked about also learning from successes. So you've certainly were around people that were very successful. What are some of the things you took away from them? Oh, there's a thousand and one lessons, <laughs> but uh, now first of all, I'd say like one you know, absolute common denominator probably with them all is they all persevered. They all had their failures. They all had times when they wanted to quit. They all had times when things went wrong, but they, you know, however they went about it, they all persevered through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's always been an encouragement to me. Like, you know, when things aren't going right to just say, well, 
That's what greatness is. All great people go through times like this where you don't know what the solution is. You're feeling yeah. down. You're feeling, you know, yeah. so incredibly helpful. Then interestingly, you know, of all the speakers, you know, one of the ones that impacted me the most on a personal level was Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. Hmm. And the last seminar he did for me was when he was 91 years old in Atlanta, wow. Georgia. And, um, you know, when the seminar is over, I took him and his wife out to the airport and they both insisted on carrying all their own carry-on luggage <laughs> onto the plane. They were trotting through the concourse there in the Hartsfield airport like, so fast I could barely keep up with them. You know, they're, they're 91 years old. I think she was like, you know, Ruth, you know, was like maybe six, you know? And, uh, and I thought, you know, I'd always thought of positive thinking as something that's going to help get me through the day. But then I realized, no, when you do that on a daily basis, this absolutely transforms your life. Mm, like yeah. when you're 91 years old, you see the fruit of it. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's almost like it wasn't just positive thinking just to, um, it wasn't forced anymore by that point because they've always been doing it. It's just kind of part of who they are. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, it, and it really shifted me from thinking this is like a little kind of technique or skill mm -hmm. for this problem or this thing. Right. It really is like who you are as a person. Yeah, and I certainly I, I can hear it in you as you've been sharing your story. It's like, okay, how do you stay so positive all the time with, uh, you know, when you when you have these great successes, but then when you have the the setbacks from that, those are big falls too. So the, the bigger the success, also sometimes the bigger the fall, which really, you know, how did, that can throw you for a loop for sure. Yeah, and I, I've had such huge falls, really, you know, and, you know, some people like to focus on the falls. And, you know, you know to me, that's all part of the process, you know. In fact, mm -hmm. you know, I was just reading a book by Joel Osteen that just came out, and it's like something about, like, success in the darkness. That's not quite the title, but he talks about, you know, how when a seed falls into the ground and dies, um, that's a dark place. Like if a seed stays in the light, it will never grow. It has to go into the darkness. But it's in the darkness is where the growth occurs. Mm. And you know, the toughest times of our lives are really, um, you know, absolutely in many ways the best times of our lives. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I have found, you know, people say, how do you stay so positive? I mean, like when I went through the divorce, when I heard that business failure, people would say, you, you just have joy every day. How can you have joy in all of this? And, and <laughs> You know, and it's because in a way, you know, when I talked earlier about that whole God image, self image study, changing one's view of God is absolute key to it. But the other thing is making it a practice. You know, I've studied CEOs a lot. Successful CEOs have a way of when they get up in the morning, they have a routine of doing things to get them ready for the day. You know, a lot of them will get up at like four, five, six a.m. and go <laughs> through an hour, maybe on the treadmill. They're going yeah. through, you know, you know, they all have their own yeah. little system. Well, for me, sure. my system, you know, that I start out with, is it actually comes from Leviticus six twelve in the Bible. It says the fire on the altar must be kept burning; it must not go out. Every day, the priest is to add firewood to the fire, and I've realized I have to add firewood to the fire of my mm -hmm. life. Yeah. I have to, so, you know, I, I, I get up in the morning and I stretch and I actually put on worship music and I say, you know, what would happen if I knew that God was with me today? What would happen if I knew that whatever happens, he's working it for my good? What kind of joy would I have? 
you know, and then I start to think of some of the things that may be happening in the day, you know, you know, problems I think I'm going to face, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. things that people are going to say or whatever. And I, and I work through those scenarios. And, you know, what if I went through those with joy? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, that, that, you know, you know, you know, kind of, kind of future placing what you kind of expect to have happen and say, you know, I'm going to do this with joy. You know, to me, that's how, you know, I stay upbeat every day. You know, I work at it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's great. I mean, there's so much we can un- unpack here, here, and I'm, I'm definitely going to have to re-listen to this interview because there's a lot of things you've said. I mean, there's so many things we can really uh, get deeper in and, and kind of um, talk about some more. I'm sorry, we're going to have to close here in a little bit, but um, we'll definitely have to do this again. But I want to close with this one last question because it's something that you had basically kind of alluded to as you're quoting uh, part of the, the book from Joel Osteen. You know, sometimes what I feel too is in, the, in that, those moments of adversity, your purpose starts to get crystallized. Maybe not in that one particular moment of, of one setback, but over a series of setbacks and looking back on it, um, sometimes your, your purpose starts to get crystallized a little bit um, because you know, the, your ability to, to overcome it strengthens you. So do, have you felt that even through successes, but also even some of the setbacks that you've started to identify more of what your purpose is moving forward? Well, to me, like the spiritual has always been an important part um, of it. You know, I think if, if I can take a minute to just tell a quick story, sure. kind of explain it, is there's a story told of this farmer from a hundred years ago, who came out from like the Midwest to Chicago one day and he, he visited this person's home and it got cold and the homeowner went and turned the thermostat up and the home heated up. And that farmer said, oh, that is so amazing. Um, what is that thing? And the homeowner said, that's a thermostat. So he went down to the hardware store, he bought a thermostat. He went back to his farmhouse put the thermostat on the wall it got cold one day he turned up the thermostat and nothing happened <laughs> because there was no power behind it <laughs> there was no furnace, you know, no heat pump behind it <laughs> and um and i found that most success teachings are like that thermostat mm. okay a thermostat is important without the thermostat you will never access the power behind it but you've mm-hmm. got to have that power behind it mm. so the more i have lived life the more i I have zeroed in and say, what is that power behind it? I really believe it's a power from above. Mm-hmm. It's a power where there's, a, a, you know, God has created us to succeed, but he mm-hmm. wants us to tap into that mm-hmm. and have his wisdom and his power and his direction in our lives. And, you know, so if anything, you know, my purpose has become more and more about that because that's where I see the lasting changes really take place in people's lives and businesses. Well, that's awesome. Well, Peter, thank you so much for for joining me and for joining this audience. Um, I'm sure they're going to get a lot out of this. And like I said, um, i got to listen to this again because there's so much to unpack. Um, And so hopefully we get the chance to do this again. Um, I know you said you're going to be down in Southern California soon, so hopefully we get to connect again. Um, How can they they connect with you, Peter, or know more about what you're doing and follow you? I don't know if you have a social media account or whatever, but how can people connect with you? Oh, well, you know, just be just for your listeners, I'm happy to get them my, my email. Uh, I'd love to stay in touch. It's peter at peterlow.com. So it's my first name, peter at peterlow. Low is L-O-W-E. So peter at peterlow.com. And if they'll just email me, I'll, I'll send them out some information. 
Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, thank you once again for joining us uh, from your car. <laughs> so thank you once again for listening to the Purpose and Profitability podcast. If you have a business question or topic you'd like to hear more about or hear about, um, go ahead and email me at prosper at i61businessdevelopment.com. That's prosper at the letter I, number 61, businessdevelopment.com or go to the Facebook page, Purpose and Profitability. So thank you again for listening and tune again next week. So this is Robert Fukui and remember, purpose plus profit equals transformation. Thank you, Robert. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. For more information, please visit purposeandprofit.com.